Amen. Brother Goff, we want you to come take your liberty tonight. Preach to us. Praise. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I'm so thankful that God's house is here for the salvation of my soul and the soul of my family. I can bring my family to the house of God and we can feel his presence. And I am so appreciative of the opportunity to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity to come to this sacred desk and stand before God's people and share what God has laid on my heart. Amen. If you will, if you could turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 14, and I'll give just a brief background on where we're at, what's going on. It may seem odd to be reading this passage of Scripture in an evangelistic setting, but I feel something on my heart that God has laid there, and I want to share it. You find in Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is doing some pastoring in the New Testament church between the Jews and the Gentiles. There were the Jews that were trying to impose the ceremonial law upon the newly converted Gentile believers, and this was a huge deal. This was significant. The ceremonies was their life. They, uh, this was what they were made of, their daily activities. Everything culminated to these ceremonies and these duties that they did on a regular basis. And they disagreed over eating food sacrificed to idols, the days of fasting, and what was clean and unclean. And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to read a portion of it. But we as Gentiles are far removed from the Jewish culture, and we can equate the disagreement to preference, but this was far above just preference. This had been ingrained in them from a child. From the moment that they could even hear and speak, they were hearing the Word of God and the laws and the ordinances, and they were seeing their parents do these things year after year and these things taking place. And it being important in their family. And here we find the New Testament church not needing to abide by some of these things. It was not a Coke or Pepsi preference. This was significant. This was a weighty matter. And as the orders of magnitude go far beyond anything we've ever experienced, most likely in our life, the Jews were firmly rooted in what the apostle was preaching to them and telling them, you've got to change the way you're trying to impose some things. So in the middle of this very serious topic, Paul describes the kingdom of God. We'll read about it in our text, Romans chapter 13, 14, verse 13 through 17. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let, let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we can lay our Bibles down, I want to preach unto you, are you acceptable unto God? If we can lay our Bibles down, asking God to touch our hearts and our minds in this service tonight. We thank you, Savior. God, you are holy, Savior, and I magnify you. 
God, I ask for your help today. I ask for your help, Master. I thank you, Master, for this opportunity to serve you and to serve your children. God, I ask, God, for revelation to be in my heart, God, a tenderness to you. And I give you the glory and the honor for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. We serve as subjects in God's kingdom. The church being the human representation of God's kingdom. Elder Johnny Burgess wrote it this way. He says, perhaps the best way to see the association is to realize that the kingdom of God is referring to all that is under his direct authority and guidance. It would be foolish of us to think that the birth of the church was the first time that God ruled over His creation. Angels are directly subject to God and a part of His kingdom. When we think of the kingdom of God, we must think of this of His continuing rule. He definitely rules the church as a part of that kingdom. Therefore, you can use the terms interchangeably. However, when we think of the church, we are more likely referring to the saints of God that make up His bride. Yes, we are under His rule and are in, the ki- in His kingdom, but we are not exclusively His kingdom because we also know that the angelic host is a part of His kingdom as well. Therefore, the church would be the human subjects of His kingdom. I am so glad that God gave me the opportunity that my life, Brother Nelson, can be lived a part of God's kingdom, to be a part of something that's vibrant, and real, a part of something that's alive and well. And in this kingdom, and I say this is because that is what I want to present to you this evening, our hearts should be the desire to abide within the kingdom of God. For there is nothing in man's kingdom or rule that is so inviting that I am willing to forsake walking away from the promises of God. And holding life in your hands is humbling, but being able to come to an altar and surrender that life unto God is even more so because you have released full control from your hands and you have transferred it to Him and said, God, whatever it is you have for my life, I'm willing to follow. I promise with a heart of obedience and sincerity, if you're willing to follow after the Word of God, God will lead you down paths that you never thought would be open for you today. As a father, there is the opportunity to hold life in your hand. I remember holding my children in different stages of their life, holding the newborn babies, the infants, the toddlers, and what a treasure it is. You hold them so close. And Bishop, you've held grandchildren, and you've held your children, and you've held our children dedicating them to the house of God. What a fragile life it is. But the surrender that we give unto God is more valuable than anything in this world combined. We see the Bible asks us to be as children. And as children, we have to look at things that are small in significance and place importance upon them. Now, as an adult, you know, I pick up a puppy and it's cute and cuddly. But you put that brand new puppy in the arms of a child and it's become a whole new world to them. 
When I pick one up, I realize there's potty training and dog food and vet visits, and they don't see the world in through uh, those eyes. But as responsibility comes upon us, we see it differently. But life as a father has given me a perspective, understanding that it can go just with a snap of a fingers, just with them, uh, as breath can be taken away from us. And as a child, I remember experiencing these very moments, and it was with bugs, of all things. I remember just a few miles down the road, just north of us, on 7 Highway, my brother and I would go out in the summers at Bonner Springs, we'd stand there in the fields, and we would look at all the lightning bugs, and you're like mesmerized, because nothing else does that. And you stand in a field, and they're just flashing all around you. But when you capture one, and you put it in a glass jar, and you poke holes in the top, and you may throw a few blades of grass in that jar, and you think you have captured a light, but soon that light fades away. Because you have interjected yourself into that cycle, into the need of that form of life. You hold it in your hands, and you put it within that container, and it begins to fade away. And the same thing happens with the traditions of men. They try to encapsulate sincerity of men and create a home for pure actions that are desperate for the need of a Savior. Instead, they create a false sense of security, and then those pure motives have lost their luster, and they realize, I am no different than before. And it's all held within the glass jar of man's traditions. They thought they could create and hold life. But holding life in your heart is far above anything that we can experience in this life. We're going to walk through a few examples of that tonight. The Jews would focus on the ceremonial services, hence the part of the text that I read, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. And as I stated in the opening of my text, God spoke through the Apostle Paul and made it very clear that pleasing God came from diligence of the inward man. And this is not a license for us to ignore the outward man. There is still a call of separation for the outward man. But the kingdom of God starts on the inward man. And why is the kingdom of God so important? It is a refuge for the hurt, the maimed, the brokenhearted. If we look at the suicide rates, if I could take a turn this direction, if we look at the suicide rates in our country, years 2020, and 2021 through 2022, we've seen an increase after we had a plateau in years 18 and 19. And we may think, well, that's not too bad. It was only a half a percent increase in suicide rates in our country. But if you were to do a little more research using the same resources, going to the CDC's website, you'll find that from 1999 all the way to 2016, the suicide rates have increased exponentially. Our, our fair state of Kansas is in moment among the top suicide rates in uh, the United States. It grew in those years from 99 to 2016, 38 to 58 percent. And a half a percent just in the last two years, 
but 38 to 58 percent. And Kansas is right in the sweet spot. Don't tell me people have it all together. Don't tell me they have all the answers in life. Don't tell me that they're fulfilled in this life because they're not. Don't tell me they have a full grasp upon life and what it is. The dangerous part is the experts say that more than half of those people that committed suicide in that percentage of increase had no prior diagnosis of anything mental health, any physical ailments. They just couldn't handle life. Those are people in our fair state, in our city, in our evangelistic fields today. We serve a lost and dying world. We know that if the devil can have his way, if the church can be vilified, the lost have no other choice. The further we as a nation go from God, the more distant the church appears. The message is not one of despair, but God working through us gives hope to the hopeless. And if the devil can get the church to lose focus on things that don't really matter, then he has succeeded in dividing our interest. Souls are the goal of the church. Souls are the reason for what we do each and every day. This service is one of the 156 services that we would have in this year. And we're winding down year 2022. We have another year that's unfolding before us. But based on the stats around us, the, the numbers of suicide far exceed the homicide. And we're so worried about the crime and it's a problem. But the danger is within people's hearts and minds. That is what is taking lives when it shouldn't day after day. I work with people that were a part of those numbers that committed suicide. People that I rub shoulders with, sit next to day and day, joked with, talked to every day we go to work and couldn't handle it. We went to a funeral just a few years ago for a man who left a young children and his wife and killed himself in front of his family. The ministers of this church went to that funeral. Don't tell me people have it all together. We have a purpose, church. There is a far greater calling than the little things you see in me and the little things I see in you. We have a far greater calling. Are we acceptable unto God? The church has to rise up, and there is nothing that can stop the truth. There are qualifications for this kingdom of God, qualifications of citizenship. And what do, the what do the citizens of God's kingdom possess? It was read in our text. It says, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The writer, Apostle Paul, made it clear what is criteria to be considered a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, as we look at each one of these things, we find that righteousness, and I've said it before and every preacher that's come up and talked about it, it is that rightness with God. That is righteousness. It's virtue. It's integrity. It's rightness with God. Peace, as referenced in this passage of Scripture. Now, we can talk about peace. We can sing about peace. But in this passage, in Romans chapter 14, it's talking about peace with your brothers and sisters. If you don't have it, you don't have citizenship. 
If you don't have rightness with God, you don't have citizenship. If you don't have joy in the Holy Ghost, that personal feeling of harmony with God, His presence abiding in you, joy unspeakable and full of glory, you don't have citizenship in the kingdom of God. But when you have everything that God's asked us to be, it's a beautiful place to live in. It's a beautiful place to walk through and be a part of and feel the joy of the Holy Ghost and experience the pleasures of of this life through the lens of the church, knowing that this will soon fade away. And no matter what thorn may come upon my side, no matter what trial I have to go through, I am a citizen of another country. The church will rise up and be a part of the great revival in these last days. And I'm so glad God has given me the opportunity to preach this precious gospel, to share this precious truth through witnessing and Bible studying and moments like this that I can open the Word of God and tell somebody God is the answer. He's the only thing that can pull you out of that mire of sin. And He is the source of righteousness. And He is the source of peace. And He is the source of joy in the Holy Ghost. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. It's beautiful because He says... The way to obtain that citizenship is you got to serve Christ. You can't be in the kingdom of God unless you're accepted by Him. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 18, For he that is in these things serveth Christ, is acceptable to God, and approved of men. The tradition of men is not the plan of salvation. To follow the tradition of men places the power of salvation in their hands. And I can tell you today, no man, no woman, nobody has ever given me salvation. But the Word of God has given me salvation. I can read His Holy Scriptures. I can pull from it. I can taste and see. And I can read this truth and know that it's real. And it changes me. And it makes everything in my life that seems to be a problem fade away. Because I'm a citizen. I know who has everything in control. I know who knows the end from the beginning. The Bible gives a clear response to men trying to influence salvation. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no tradition that you can pull from If you, when you look at your plan of salvation, if you go back and reference history and men, you're not referencing the right source. We go back all the way to the Word of God, to the Word of God that is infallible, without flaw and without issue, does not contradict itself. And we go back to the very source of salvation and not the interpretation of man or historians or groups of people or sects or people that come together that make rule and law and write history, but we go upon the Holy Scriptures that God ordained and breathed through the men of God and said, thus said the Word of God. This is how you're saved. There must be a change that takes place within. Jesus instructed the Pharisees that it is the inward man that God is looking to change. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21 And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, 
He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This is not something you can go and kneel before, stand in front of, someone place upon you. You cannot be going through ritualistic efforts to put you through the plan of salvation. It is something that is a work that only God can do, and you are in agreement with your Creator, and God reaches down and changes you and gives you newness of life. It only happens within. Traditions of men that keep the outward men busy is just that, keeping you busy. We have to be in agreement with the Word of God. I like what Jesus said. He says it's not something that you're going to observe. You're not going to be able to say, oh, here it is or there it is. You're not going to be able to lay your hands on it. You have to put it deep within your heart. In order to be accepted unto God, you have to have a changed heart. There is power in a changed heart. We see when the church overcomes, the world overcomes. It's because we as overcomers share a lost to a lost and dying world a message of salvation. And they too then become a part of the church. It's because we have overcome and we have not lost focus on the things that's going on around us. When we understand what is supposed to be a part of our life, the righteousness, the peace, the joy in the Holy Ghost, understanding that there are differences among us, but there's not differences in our goal. And the moment our differences among us distract you from the goal, you have lost sight of what is really important in your life. And that can go both ways. People outside the church that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost and never been baptized in His precious name. They can look at the church and they can nitpick and say, well, I was done wrong. And they hold that and that will detract them from ever setting foot through the back doors of a truth-preaching church. They hold those wounds instead of taking them to the house of God. And they use those actions to justify their actions outside and saying, I'll never go back as long as he's pastor." I'll never go back as long as that family's sitting on the pew. I'll never go back as long as they're sitting there next to me. And they place men and their problems before salvation. And they place themselves on the path to hell. Saints, we can't do that even among ourselves. And when we see people outside in this world that have that attitude and that's, uh, that, that thought in their mind and their excuse, we need to do everything we can to help them change their mind. Treat them as we would anyone else. Love them and care for them. Does it matter how deep and dark their sins are? God is still reaching for them. You know why? Because He put you in their life. You're talking to them. You got FaceTime with them. You're looking them in the eye. That's how I know God is still reaching for them. When we are searching for the lost, they are found. You see, rescue personnel via land, air, and water, they perform a grid search for the lost. It's a repetitive task. 
it takes a team to successfully complete. You see, a part of that team is someone that's tracking movements, someone that's driving a vehicle, someone who's monitoring systems, and someone who's looking out the window. All of those tasks are performed in hope. And they do this over and over. And until their natural resources are exhausted and they have to land a plane to go back and refuel, they'll go fly right back and begin that grid pattern next to the last one they completed. It's the power of repetition that makes them called a rescuer, not just a pilot. Because they do things that rescue people. The power of the church is we do things that rescue people. We go ye therefore and we preach the gospel. We give Bible studies. We're a witness. We pray for them. Whether it's repetition or not, we keep doing it over and over. You know why? There's lost out there. There's the hope that we'll find a piece of wreckage. The flash of a signal, a sign in the sand, a vessel lost upon the waves of life. We just keep looking day in and day out. Don't get discouraged. God needs you a part of His plan. God needs you out there looking and seeing who's willing to reach for His hand, who's willing to accept this word. It's upon us. We're the church. We're a part of the rescue plan. We have to be accepted unto God. We have to have everything in our heart go in the right direction. Otherwise, we're a liability. Instead of looking out the window, we're sitting there pondering and thinking and looking up in the sky and saying, I remember when they did this, and I remember when they did that, and I'd much rather do that, and I can't believe they didn't do this. And, and we lose sight that our goal is to be looking for the lost. For us to be acceptable unto God, we have to be planted. Colossians 1.23, it says, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven. The world needs a church that is connected to the bedrock in a fixed position, a marker upon the seas of life, visible to all men. We cannot be a bobber out there on the surface of the ocean going whichever way we decide is right and going with the flows. But when a buoy is anchored to the seafloor, it doesn't matter what any ocean waves come in and crash upon it. It stays in the place. It's a marker for the lost. It's a marker for those trying to find the channel and avoid the shallowness of this world that would put them upon the rocks. It is something being tied in to bedrock church. We have to be tied in to the church. We have to be tied in to this truth. We have to be anchored into this place. We have to be there day in and day out. We don't know who's going to walk through our life. We don't know who's going to be looking for a Savior. We have to be there and say, this is the way. Go this way. Don't go on this side of me. Go right down this way. You can see right here, this is shallow, but here's the depths you can live in. Here's the depths that will keep you safe. Go to the harbor. This is the way to the harbor. We have to be anchored in Christ. We also have to be alive in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, 
as ye have therefore received Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware is what the man of God saying. Don't let them trick you up. Don't let them think, oh, wouldn't you rather go have yourself or you have a view of the mountains or have a view of the pristine beaches and there's no storms in this part of the world and, and if you'll just go over here and transplant yourself, you'll just be much more peaceful. But I tell you, there's a vessel coming that needs you where you're at. There's somebody looking for instruction in their life and they need you right where you are at. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. Who is that him? That is Jesus Christ. Don't try to do anything on your own. Don't try to make a step on your own. This is the power and the authority of which we have in our life. It is through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He gives us our purpose, our example Gives us our place. If I could, in closing, I would not be much longer if the musicians would come. This is a message to call to remove every distraction from your life. You're coming upon a new year. You're coming upon a time that many people are accepted of, well, I'll do something different in January. God has prompted us. God is calling us. Remove every distraction. Ones that are influencing your ability to be accepted unto God. Or, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's time to remove everything that's trying to pull you away, away from truth. As it said in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not as what you would think it is. The kingdom of God is not what most people think is important. But it's rightness with God. It's rightness with your brother. It's rightness with your own life. It's peace, peace in the body. And having that relationship with God that gives you joy in the Holy Ghost. The desire of God is that you are acceptable unto Him, full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. As the church, we live in hope, not in wishing, but in knowing. We live in hope. I know in whom I have believed. I know who washed my sins away. I'm not wishing for a rich aunt or uncle to pass to give me some peace or joy, allow the cares of this life to fade away, but I hope in knowing who my Savior is. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 as we stand, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. If you're out on the seas of life tonight, I promise you God has a plan for you. It's to be acceptable unto His kingdom. 
It's to be accepted under His way. There is a Savior that is ready and willing to reach for your heart and to heal you. And we ask that question, where do we get hope? That hope is found through salvation in Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and He said unto them, in verse 15, I'm sorry, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you have only been born of tradition, of acceptance of men, and acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm here to tell you there's more. You're on a path, it goes deeper. You're walking in waters that will go over your head. Waters of baptism that will wash your sins away. Waters of hope and healing that will reach into your life and turn your life around. And it will never be the same again. The example we have is found in the book of Acts chapter 2. In verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you want to be accepted unto God, you have to accept His plan of salvation. If you want to accept peace and love and joy in your house and have your heart full of the joy of the Holy Ghost and rightness with God, you have to accept the plan of salvation. Tonight is the night in the willingness of your heart to reach down and say, God, change me. Or saying to God, say, God, draw me closer. You see the rough edge on my heart. Clean it off. God, allow me to be right with you, accepted unto you. Can we lift our hands and talk to him this evening? I want to be accepted unto God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Search within me, O oh God. God, you've given an opportunity for salvation. You've given an opportunity for renewing. You've given an opportunity of restoration, of healing. Can we find us a place to pray? Can we talk to the Master? Can we talk to the Savior? The one who's orchestrating your life. The one who's put your steps one in foot of another. Hallelujah, I worship you, Savior, I worship you. Hallelujah.